Court Today. Court Today with JP McNamara on C103. Court's greatest hits. C103. Good morning, it's Friday's Cork Today. Our lines are open 0818103103 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and ahead on the programme. From our common line, we're going to hear from a mother and carer who is raising the issue of the lack of changing place facilities in Cork. And she'll outline her story shortly this morning. And what she means by changing place facilities is it's for her adult son. Uh, he's a teenager. And when they are travelling from, for example, for a hospital appointment from Cork uh, or from Bantry to Cork and vice versa Cork to Bantry uh, there is no place in between that if her son wishes to use a toilet there's no changing facilities and these type of changing facilities would have a, a bed or a type of bench with a hoist and they would be bigger than your normal uh, changing facilities that you would see in some uh, hotels or in some public buildings and under a change in the last few years to building regulations, new bills and indeed those refurbished were supposed to include these type of facilities in their buildings. Some have not and you would think major shopping centres and indeed hospitals would have this now implemented. So we're going to chat to this mother shortly on the programme. She will outline her story and the struggle that she faces on long journeys and indeed daily with regards to this and indeed with regards to being a mother and a carer. Also we're going to hear a call to remove move a section of the plaza within Mallow's town centre to free up traffic flow in the town. Anybody who lives, works or indeed commutes in and out of Mallow will be aware of this plaza. Uh, it was erected as was so many others in various towns where footpaths were made wider. It was under a scheme at the time that was a renewal scheme for many towns and within this uh, for those who used the main street in Mallow most days they felt that it actually clogged up the town and did more harm than good. Now they're looking for a section of this to be removed so traffic again can be flowing. And you could have two lanes at the end of that street rather than one, which what many feel is now affecting business and others in the town. Your views are welcome on that. We're going to speak to Councillor Tony O'Shea. The issue was raised at a local council meeting this week. Also, hard-pressed mortgage holders will face another interest increase as the ECB agrees to a quarter of 1%. Uh, That increase was announced yesterday. And this will affect mortgage holders currently, but also those who may be on a fixed mortgage coming off that in the next few months. Uh, anybody in a tracker mortgage will also be affected by this. But uh, with what's going on with the ECB and rate increases, should we be worried as well of what's happening in Germany? A country that is one of the biggest when it comes to the running of the European Union and there is fears that they are going into recession. Well, Charlie Weston is a personal finance editor with the Irish Independent. Charlie will join us later in the show to discuss all of that. On the Hours to Protect series, we're going to meet the founder of Yol Bay Solid Perfume Business, Arona. This is Nora Irwin, who has an interest in nature and a commitment to sustainability and eco-friendly products. We'll hear about all of that this morning on our Hour to Protect series at about 11.45. Also, after midday, we'll be speaking with our soccer correspondent, Trevor Welch, as Stephen Kenny is to remain for now, uh, the men's soccer team manager. Also, we'll hear from the new Late Late Show host, Patrick Keelty, ahead of his first show tonight. And after 12.30, we'll be heading to the movies with Mark. So that and much more ahead between now and one. Lines open 0818 103 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 
or indeed you can email Cork today at c103.ie you would have heard there on news that mandatory drug testing for drivers that is going to be coming our way Uh, This is drivers involved in a serious collision. It's going to be introduced as part of the government's efforts to continue uh, with road safety awareness and raising the the awareness of road safety. And we've heard a lot of that over the last two to three weeks. At the moment, drivers who are involved in a road accident are only subject to mandatory alcohol testing. And the Minister of State, Jack Chambers, said he's committed to changing this. Uh, The minister, he sits at the cabinet table. He's confirmed that the new roadside equipment now he wants, uh, first of all, this to be brought into law, but he's also aware that the equipment that is used by Gardaí for the last number of months can test for drugs. And now he wants all of this uh, under the Department of Transport to be made law. And the matter is also expected to be a priority reform uh, going to be discussed at the next Ministerial Road Safety Committee. So a lot going on with road safety and that is another aspect of it. I think many would welcome that, that now if there is a collision, people involved will be, apart from uh, breathalyzed, you'll be drug tested as well at the scene. And just staying on the Gardaí, yesterday, Rathcormac Garda Station was, the newly renovated Rathcormac Garda Station was opened, totally refurbished, and uh, the Garda Station now in Rathcormac, it's fully insulated, it has a new energy efficient heating system, and it's all lit with LED lighting, LED lighting. And the station is now also one of the first Garda facilities in the southern region to have an electric vehicle charging point. And that was all opened yesterday, the newly refurbished building there in Rathcormac. But just staying on the Gardaí, yesterday on a Garda file, and we were talking about an incident where a man was driving uh, in the Bantry area, came around a corner, came across two bikes uh, right in front of him. He got a bit of a shock, uh, no lights on the bikes either, and it was around dusk. And we discussed this on the Gardafal. And also afterwards, many people felt that if you are on your bicycle and you don't have a light, you can get a fine. And many people remember a number of years ago that they were cycling without a light and they got a fine. Well, we said we just double check all of that to make sure we have the right information. And we have. And the callers and texts are right because uh, when you are on a bike, you must have your lights switched on at lighting up time. What is lighting up time? This is the period beginning half an hour after sunset and indeed a half an hour before sunrise. You must have one front light and one rear light and the lights do not need to be lit when you're stopped in traffic or when a person wheels the bike on foot but as near as possible to the left-hand edge of the road. But while you're cycling the bike you must have the lights on uh, during the times of darkness obviously enough and indeed uh, dusk and dawn. And can you use flashing lights? Yes you can but then what is the penalty for not having the bike lights in use and not having them switched on? So if you're cycling on the road with no lights on, are you also up to receiving an offence like you would if you were a driver, which many callers and texters raised yesterday afternoon? If you were driving with a faulty headlamp, you would be could get a fine uh, if you were stopped by the Gardaí and many asking is this still the case for bikes? Well, it is. Failure to use proper lighting on a bicycle is an offence. And if you were stopped by a member of the Gardaí, the Garda may take your name and address, details about your bicycle and the time and date of the offence. And you may be issued with a fixed charge notice. And then does 
the guard have a right to stop you if you were cycling without lights. Well, under Section 108 of the Road Traffic Act of 1961, this was amended, a member of the Gardaí may demand your name, address and date of birth if they suspect you have committed any crime or offence. They also uh, may demand your name, address and date of birth if they suspect you have been involved in a collision or caused injury to property or indeed to somebody else. So they can stop you, they can uh, get all your details off for you. And indeed, if you were cycling in the dark or at dawn and dusk without a bike light, well, yes, you can and may be issued with a fixed charge notice. So that will answer a lot of the questions that came into us yesterday. And many who have received those over the years were asking, is that still law? It is still law. And we heard yesterday from Senator Malcolm Byrne, we spoke with him because he's on the Oroctus Media Committee who met with the bosses of RTE. And one thing that came up and it shocked a lot of listeners is that despite everything that we heard over the summer months, RTE is still seeking a photographer for Fair City for €60,000 annual pay for just 20 hours of work a week. And this is all again, despite announcing a new recruitment freeze. Now, while staff also are pushing for a number of roles to be filled within the organisation, many of the politicians are quite worried because while staff are obviously annoyed at what is happening and it's not their fault, but some are coming out. For example, uh, when the photographer that was mentioned for Fair City and now there's questions being asked, what are you doing paying that much for a photographer? The executive producer of Fair City, uh, she has come out, this is Bridget de Corsi, she's come out saying she cannot over, under, overstate the importance of high quality and highly curated photography in promoting Fair City in the busy landscape of press and digital publicity. It is vital, she says, to have a skilled photographer to capture in single frames moments of drama that will be used, I presume, to draw, you know, to advertise Fair City and bring in new viewers to the soap. So they feel it's necessary, but politicians are worried that execs, that editors and that some staff in RTE don't realise how bad things are and why the cuts and why the savings are required for the organisation to survive. And you can see why some politicians are saying that when you read quotes this morning in many of the papers like that from Fair City, like that from other staff, when in other organisations, if the money wasn't there, in particular any private organisation, whatever they do, they just would not be able to recruit and the work would be dealt out to other people until things got better. But one man who was always open to speaking out and doesn't mind what people think of him is Ryanair boss Michael O'Leary. He has likened RTE to Aer Lingus in the 1980s. He said uh, that there's a lot of rubbish in there and in RTE and that it needs to be cleaned out. He wants to see the state broadcaster survive in its current financial and uh, capacity. And he said, despite all the political turmoil, there's aspects that do deserve the chop. Now, he did say that it it is overstaffed and it's certainly badly run, but he wants to see it surviving. He thinks the area of news in RTE does a very good job, all those investigative programmes. But then he says there's a lot of areas that, frankly, if they disappear tomorrow, he would not lose too much sleep over it. And he was uh, talking about this on his way into the Ryanair's AGM yesterday. He told Sky News that he could easily live without repeats of EastEnders, Joe Duffy's religious programme, 
or indeed Liveline. Is he right? Your views are welcome. Always one eight one zero three one zero three. Text or WhatsApp zero eight six two one zero three one zero three. Email Patricia now with your story or comment. Cork today at c one zero three dot ie. Talk to me. Cork today on c one zero three. Katrina joins me this morning on the common line. Good morning to you, Katrina. Good morning, how are you? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. You sent us an email and you were a single parent and a full-time carer to your special needs son who is 14 years old now. What's your son's name? My son's name is Killian. And yourself and Killian, you're highlighting this issue and it's something I think a lot of people might not be aware of. This is public changing places and facilities right across Ireland but the lack of them, it would seem, in the Cork area. Yes, yeah, yeah, there's a lack of them all over the country. Um, oh, like this, in Dublin alone, there's 13 in around Dublin City and County, but like outside of Dublin, there's only 11 registered ones around the country. And just explain these changing facilities now we're talking about, because your son, he is now 14 years old, and you're his full-time carer for him. Yes, I'm his full-time carer. Well, Killian is, is, is severely disabled. He can't walk or do anything for himself, so I have to do everything for him, basically, so... He can't like sit on the toilet himself or uh, get off, get out of his chair to change. So everything I need a hoist to lift him, transfer him in and out of his chair, basically to change him and do whatever I need to do with him. So I need these facilities when I'm out and about, and unfortunately they're not there. So if you were going to a shopping centre or if you were going to a hospital or whatever, if he does need to use a toilet, you simply have no option. But is it that he just waits until he get home? Is is that what happens? A lot of times that's what happens, yeah. When the facilities aren't there, that's what happens. So, like, he he could soak through his pad white through to his seat in his chair, like. So he could be sitting in that for hours, like, until I have the, uh, the means to, to change him. And that's not fair on anybody. Totally not fair. And not fair on him for his own dignity as no. well. I mean, Killian shouldn't be put through that. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. When you're going to various appointments with Killian, you would line here in your email that at times you would have to travel from Bantry to CUH. Yes. Within the hospital network, is there a facility like this within CUH, for example? Um, Not that I'm aware of. um, As far as I know, there there is, unless he's in an outpatient um, bed or something like that, um, there's there's nothing, nothing available, no changing place toilet available for public use in the toilet unless you're a patient. And within these changing facilities then they would have certain equipment like they'll have the the bench and it would be a a different type of bench with a hoist I presume as well, would there be? Yeah, yeah, some of them have mobile hoists and some of them have ceiling hoists. They'd be in in the likes of of, um, maybe um, outpatients or even in hospital rooms themselves but not for the general public going in to use for um, appointments and stuff, you know, you just be in and out. Literally, there is no changing place facility toilet, as, as as far as I'm aware, anyway. So if you're going to CUH, which is about an hour, an hour and a half, if not more of a drive uh, yeah. from Bantry in, into the city centre, well, into Wilton, anyhow, uh, you c- could be in a situation for Killian that he remains in the car in his same incontinence patch until you return home because there's no public and proper changing facilities anywhere within CUH or indeed anywhere en route from Cork to Bantry? Well, there there is one or two places. Um, if, if I go off the beaten path, like in Enable Ireland, they do have the facilities there, but that's usually for people who are using the the 
the the facilities, you know, for appointments and stuff like that, and and going to school and whatnot. And where uh, are they they're, based? They're actually out, out uh, by Carheen now, by the racecourse. They're out, out near there. So you, you still have to back. go off the beaten track, as you mentioned. You, you, you do, wouldn't yeah, be a direct yeah. route, yeah. But, but that 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 would mean that I, you know I would use the facilities in there if he had an appointment in there. But they're they're not generally for the public. They're for people that are using the building. You know, like um, children and stuff going in with for appointments. Yeah, and you showed me here on the link as well. You sent in to us. This is a map of Ireland, and it shows the various uh, places where yeah. these public changing facilities are in uh, within Cork, outside of any of Ireland, which, as you say, is j- just for those that are there on the day itself. Maybe yes. UCC uh, is the only one in Cork where there is one of these the facilities, one, which is registered. Like there may be some in other buildings, but they're not registered. So, like. For the likes of me that wouldn't know Cork City that well, because I don't live in Cork City, I would know where to go. I I just have to wait like at home. But like if if there if there are public facilities out there, they should be all registered so so that people can find them if need be. Like you know. Of course, and weren't the regulations around building of first of all buildings that are being refurbished or else new builds, they yeah. were due to register this anyhow under uh, the regulations. Yeah, it's been it's been. Re- brought into the government regulations since January of this year. It was brought in that it's part of new buildings and buildings that are being refurbished or if they're doing additions onto the buildings and stuff. It's part of regulations now for changing place facilities. Yourself in and around doing <laughs> your shopping in Bantry, if Killian comes with you, how do you yeah. manage it at all about timing so basically for you? I just have to be very vigilant and just make sure that he's either gone before we're out or that we're not out too long, you know, that so that I can change him when need be. But it, like that's there's nowhere else in West Cork, like say if I went needed to go to Skibbereen or Tranquility or anywhere like that. The only other place I know of a change of place facility is in Dunamanway swimming pool. And that's for people using the facilities there again in Dunamanway. It's not an open all service. No, it's not oh. it's not an open to all, no. No, it's for people using the pool. And have you brought this to the attention of the council or even local politicians? I've, I, I, I've tried. I have con- contacted local politicians and um, um, Holly Cairns is going to bring it up in the doll. Um, uh, she's contacted the minister about it. But um, it's just, it's sometimes you're just kind of, and Christopher Sullivan also, also has been in contact with me. I've contacted him also and he's, he's going to bring it up with um, Minister Abbott and stuff like that. So it's just... It's making people aware too, like that these uh, since uh, these facilities are essential to people like my son that need them. You know that they they it's it's a basic basic need, like and basic necessity, like going to the toilet or changing or anything like that is so basic. It seems you know? to be a postcode lottery for these type of facilities. Looking at this map of Ireland, it just really depends on where you're living. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Like there's in in the whole of Munster, the, the ones that are registered. Like again, I said I'm not don't know where else they are. Only the few places that I've been that I absolutely know that they're there is like um, in the whole of Munster. There is four changing place facilities registered on Change of Places Ireland, and three of them are in Limerick. And it's a basic human right that we have public toilets and they are located with on all the shopping centres, as we mentioned earlier, in various places. Baby changing facilities, there was a campaign a number of years ago so that they would be included within public toilets. They now are, and it's a given, even in hotels and bars, they have facilities for baby changing. So this really should be something that I I know it can't be in every location, given the the scale it would be and including a house, but in in most places, most big retail outlets, surely this can be something they can deal yeah. with and, and fit in yeah 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's 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 a it's a necessity for because like for instance for my son now like if if we go anywhere I have to be it has to be local so that I'm not too far from home. So if I do need to change him, you know I can be home within the, the space of an hour or less. You know, but like if like that if I'm if, if going to Cork even shopping, you know I I have to bring my son because I'm a single parent. So I have to everywhere I go I bring my son with it, with me. So it's like these. Uh, facilities are essential for not only me for other there's hundreds of families all over the country like that require these facilities and they're just not available and it's just when you when you when you try to um, try to make people aware of it like councils and stuff like that it's just you're you're being pushed from post to pillar like you know you're getting the run around and oh you need to talk to this person and you need to talk to that person and you you know you don't yeah. seem to be getting anywhere when you try to do it on your own. So, like, unfortunately, making noise is the only way these things actually happen. Like, I know it's part of the building regulations now, but I don't think anything will be done about it unless there is a lot of noise made about it. It's unfortunate, though. You have to make noise for anything Absolutely. to happen or for this to be dealt with or even heard of. Your, your son, Killian, is, does he attend education or does he, he does. go to one of the outreach services? Yeah. He does. He's, he's actually just started secondary school here in Bantry. He goes to Colossal Public Bantry and um, the facilities were put in place last year to facilitate Gillian and, and another student going to the school as well because the facilities weren't there beforehand but they are in place now to, to cater for their needs. And do you ha- have help yourself then in the care of Killian outside of those school hours? I have home support and that's it. I don't get respite. So you're full-time caring for Killian 24-7 outside of the school hours, obviously, yeah? Yeah, I have a few home care hours every week where the nurse comes in and looks after Killian for a few hours. But other than that, that's it. I don't get respite. And why don't you or why can't you avail of respite? Oh. Another story. That's the question, yeah. uh, A lot of it is to do with lack of staff, you know, in the disability services which is another story for another day. Like, I could go on for hours. Yeah, there's a huge, yeah, huge yeah. issue there as well, uh, Katrina, yeah. regarding that I- issue. You obviously then have the facilities at home. You have a hoist to do at home as well in, in your own yes. bathroom, yeah? Yes, we, we do. We were actually, we only have facilities like a year and a half. We've been in this house a year and a half. We were on the council waiting list for a house for 12 years before we got the facilities. Um, but yeah, we finally got the house uh, a year and a half ago, so we're here have all the facilities at home now. So that's at least that. <laughs> well, that's true. At least that, that is an option for you now and you have those on your doorstep. But how are you then yourself? I mean, you're a full-time carer to Killian. You put in a lot of your time for him. Uh, how yeah. are you? Uh, I'm surviving. You know, I've, I've no social life. Um, I'm, I've, you know, I, I don't get, get to go to have coffee and stuff with my friends too often um, it's hard, it's very hard being a full time carer and with Killian it is full time, like it's 24-7 regardless if he's in school or not and I still have stuff to do for him when he's out of the school, I do my shopping and or when he's in school, sorry I do my shopping and little bits like that runarounds and stuff like that, so I have very little time to myself but unfortunately it's part and parcel of of being a carer in this country do you feel there's a lack of support or a lack of understanding for carers in Ireland? Absolutely, absolutely. I think carers in this country are ignored by the government. And despite all the campaigns and the yeah. work the Family Carers Ireland do, yeah. 
still carers you feel just left are left aside and, and, and left oh, unknown? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, because the government, no, we were not going to just stand up and walk out the door. You know, we're not going to do that to our loved ones. Yeah, I was reading a report last week and we did touch on it on the show about a year ago. Uh, a lady rang and her uh, son had disabilities and they were trying to get care for him and he was in and out of care. Uh, and while he was at home with them, one of the solutions was, and we've heard this from many families since, to leave him or leave her at the front door of the A&E of your local hospital and walk away. But no one really yeah. can do that. No. They, they they can do it, you know, that, that is an option to try and highlight it, but like, who's going to do that to their loved one? No parents. parents like, no parent is going to do that. Or no carer. It doesn't have to be a parent. It's it, it, not only for carers of children, it's of adults as well. It's like elderly and stuff like that. People in all caring, uh, family caring positions, you know. It could be a child, yeah, looking after a parent. Absolutely, and they're not going to just drop them off and, and, and go in and leave them. Like, you know, and... It, the government take advantage of that. True, yeah. Uh, well, for the moment, Katrina, thank you for highlighting this. I think maybe some people are aware but aren't aware, if you get me, about those who yes. have to travel long journeys and realise that there is no facility to change them when it comes yes. to using a, a public toilet. Uh, we will check in with the council and the department. I'm not overally sure which one will take responsibility for this. We'll check in anyhow with both and see what they come back with. For the moment, thanks for raising the issue this morning with us. Thank you so much for listening to me. <laughs> that is Katrina joining us on the comment line. Thank you, Katrina. On 0818-103-103. Indeed, you can email us, corktoday at c103.ie. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 Cork today on C103. There are calls to remove a section of the Civic Plaza in Mallow to restore traffic flow to the town. Uh, Councillor Tony O'Shea joins me. Good morning to you, Tony. Good morning, John Paul. Thanks for joining us. This plaza never been popular with people as it took away a lane of traffic. Now you want that lane of traffic restored. And plus, many of the councillors, including yourself, have asked for a council report on this proposal. That's correct, uh, John Paul. Look, we all know um, we all know that this has caused uh, huge problems for the traffic flow coming down from the main street in Mallow. And what I've asked officials to do is have a look at removing some of the plaza that we can squeeze in a filter lane for traffic uh, that are going towards Hawaii or St. Joseph's Road. Um, it just it's constantly. Uh, causing problems and a backlog uptown. So, look, a few months ago, I had um, a motion down in Clark County Council um, for the council to look at removing HDDs from coming down the main street. That's one thing that I think has to go. Um, as late as last Saturday, I was in Manor Town and I saw a forestry lorry come down to the town at half nine on a Saturday morning. So this is all adding to chaos below at the bottom of the town. Uh, where it's down to one lane now. Um, so I raised it at last Friday's uh, municipal meeting. Uh, officials have agreed to, to look at both of those, which is one is removing the HGBs from coming down the main street, and secondly, um, they will look with uh, higher officials um, at removing or trying to improve the situation at the bottom of Mallow Town. And where would trucks or HGVs go if they are going on to, for example, the Waterford or, or the Fermoy area? Well, uh, they have two options, John yeah. Hall. If they're coming from Killarney, if they're coming from Cork, this most certainly don't come down to the main street. 
they either go over the park road and through Bridge Street, or else it can, the other option is go Beecher Street, up Lacknaluha and down Sparglin. Um, they're the two other options, but really and truly, I don't think they have any business down through the main street of Mallow because an articulated truck full of uh, timber is five lengths of cars. So he's below at the bottom of the town, and sometimes you might only get five cars going out, turning for Femai or turning for Bridge Street. Um, so they, they really and truly have no business down through our main street. So you want to ban on and, all those on the main street? Yeah, I want the council to look at moving the HGBs from uh, the main street. Uh, and then, look, Tony, regarding the plaza, which, which is the ultimate cause for a lot of these delays, was there supposed to be some type of review of the plaza after so many years? Yeah, and that is going to happen now, um, John Paul. Um, the senior engineer is, has agreed to go back to officials and, and relook at us. Now, you're dealing with TII coming on to um, the main in 72 also. It's not, it's not just the council. But um, look, at last Friday's meeting, they agreed to have a look at us. Um, the, the lights that are at uh, the boardwalk with their, the main junction on Bridge Street, they have been fully synchronised. I think they have improved a little bit. But look, bottom line here, John Paul, we need our relief road um, in Mallow to, to alleviate um, the congestion that's in Mallow at present and has been there for a good two years now. Yeah, and the relief road, which again was mentioned this week when there was a meeting between a number of politicians and the Transport Minister, Eamon Ryan, and all that came back from that was they have invested so much money over the last year into roads and indeed the road network. But again, no relief road for Mallow or indeed other road networks in the Cork area. And while you wait for the Mallow relief road, this is still a problem. And there has been a number of schemes, Tony, you be aware of over the last number of years, such as the town and village renewal scheme. And one of the aspects of this was to create open spaces where markets and more could be held. I mean, as we're talking about the plaza this morning, is that why the plaza was built? It probably was. Uh, first stage on Paul, I look in today's environment, it's all about um, giving more access to pedestrians and cycles, our cyclists out when we're building new roadways. And, and as you say, within towns and villages, and we're fully, we're fully behind all that. But like we have to do something uh, to, to to alleviate the traffic problems that are a matter of town. Everyone you speak to, if you meet people out and about, they're all giving out about the traffic and matter. So it's it's now that we have upgraded the, the road network right through the park road and out the spa. I think it's time now that we relook at um, maybe putting in a filter lane at the bottom of our uh, matter town. And when you look at some other areas, some other towns who've had their footpaths widened in the city, uh, so many areas now uh, are becoming no-car zones area, or you've only one lane of traffic in many of those new city streets. I mean, there's huge changes at the moment in the Victoria Quarter in Dublin. Heidi on WhatsApp has sent me what's happening in Dublin along the Quays. Uh, so maybe it's a case that they just don't want Main Street Mallow to be full of cars. I mean, could that be a possibility? Well, no, but once it's full of cars, but what we want to do, John Paul, is keep the traffic flow going. I mean, there's nothing, nothing more annoying than coming down through Mallow's Main Street, stopped above us, uh, Taylor's Corner, and it takes you 20 minutes to go from there to the bottom of town. So this is what we need to look at. We don't want uh, the Main Street uh, fully congested. We want it, like, it's all about keeping the traffic flow um, going through Mallow. Um, we just need to look at options that can improve that. And I think one of those options would be maybe to take a slice or a couple of feet off the plaza that we can put in the filter lane for traffic turning left onto, 
are towards the night. And that would be a cost again, of course, to the taxpayer who already had played for the plaza. So it's like you, you went ahead with something the public didn't want and now you're cutting it away again. Yeah, that, that, that is it. And I mean, the plaza has been there for many years now. I think it's, it's not well utilised. Um, that's my personal view, John Paul. Um, well, when you mentioned that, Tony, Mary Mallow has been on and she agrees with you about this. But at the time, I remember the debate about where this plaza should be. Many people in Mallow presumed it would go on the site of where the old Central Hotel was. And even Mary says it should be totally removed now and put on that site of where the Central Hotel was. Would that have made it a better option? And maybe then it would have been used more because that would not have uh, hindered on the traffic within Mallow. Yeah, I look, I, there's other options that could have gone up towards Marcus Square, but it definitely isn't being utilised uh, where it is, John Paul. Uh, ideally, where the Central Hotel was, it's in the middle of Mallow Town, Mallow Main Street. Um, it's someplace there is, I think, where it should have been located from day one. Look, it's there. We can't do anything about it. We now have to move forward, look at options, so we can uh, improve the traffic flow coming down the Main Street on Bridge Street, um, the Spa Road. Officials have agreed to do that. I will keep bringing it up, keep bringing it at, at, uh, at every chance, I guess, uh, at the municipal meetings, and we'll see what they'll come back with. And when they come back, and if it is agreed that something needs to be done, I mean, how long would that take, and then how long would it take to actually change this and remove the plaza? Because I presume they'll need funding again, and would you need contracts to go out and tendering and all of that? Yeah, I, I, and, and as I said earlier, uh, John Holland, the current environment is all about giving access to uh, pedestrians. So maybe it will be a bit of a struggle to get funding for it. I'm not sure, but we cannot have a town that's choked with traffic uh, and people will not come into our town. This is, this is the issue we're having. We want to try and get new businesses into town. It's got a bad name because of traffic congestion. So we need to rectify that and we need to start somewhere. And look, Officials, council officials, in fairness, uh, they're in agreement. Uh, they're up and down the town themselves. Uh, so we need to start looking at how we can improve uh, the traffic condition in Mallow. And now, as I said a while ago, we have the outer roads improved from Arabella Road around the most down through Park Road, out the spa. Um, so we need to utilise them now and, and just relieve the traffic coming down from the main street. Yeah, and while you wait for that relief road, something has to happen sooner rather than later. So if they go ahead with doing anything with the plaza, as in removing a section, it would have to happen as soon as. A number of texts and on this, first of all, someone saying the plaza in Mala should never have been built. The public even know that. What sort of engineers uh, gave the go-ahead? Look at the cost now it will have to us, the taxpayer and the country, to change it back. What a country we have. And somebody else making the same point that should never have been made. Uh, there is the same problem in other towns, but whoever went ahead with the plaza they knew there was a one way traffic system uh, somebody is saying what do we have running the place today and so many more texts about that we'll have to wait and see I suppose what happens over the next while if before anything is done if, if the council or whoever the TII agree with this that, that that's the next step and then you work on from there it is it's to just get into discussions now and sit down around the table and discuss how they can uh, relieve the traffic congestion deaths in Mallow we don't want that kind of a name getting out from Mallow Mallow's a fine town it's, there's some the shops in Mallow um, and we need a good positive story out of all this and yeah true I, yeah, I, yeah. I, and, and I think John Paul we do have to do something as far as that class is concerned because it is it has a bad name number one 
and it is causing problems at the bottom of the main street. Yeah, and Emer says she loves to go shopping in Mallow, but that has turned her off. She agrees with Tony, the traffic levels do turn her off uh, going into Mallow. For the moment, I must leave it there. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning, Tony. That is Councillor Tony O'Shea. Your views are welcome. 0818-103-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. It's Cork Today Until One. John Paul McNamara with you. Bernie is standing by taking your comments right now on 0818-103-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103103 and you can email right across at the programme Cork Today at c103.ie We mentioned cycling earlier and the various offences regarding cycling and this is because from the Gardafall yesterday it was mentioned about cycling and uh, not having a, a light on your bike in the dark or in dusk or dawn. And it is an offence. And we explained that earlier in the show. And then Michael texted to say, is it an offence to cycle on a footpath? Well, on the letter of the law is cycling on a footpath is not a specific fixed charge offence, though, however, you could be fined for doing so if a guard had deemed their cycling to be without reasonable consideration. So if you weren't cycling and maybe on a footpath where it wasn't appropriate or it was full of people then you could be in that situation but again you cannot cycle in any pedestrianised area at the designated times unless there is a cycle lane but it seems to be at the discretion of the footpath and where you are so for example on a road I travel every day the North Ring uh, you would see cyclists on that but then there's a section of the North Ring from Ballyvalan to Mayfield where you simply wouldn't expect the cyclist to be on that stretch of road there's a footpath there and it is easier and also a lot safer for any cyclist to be on the footpath. It's a wide footpath but still it's safer for the cyclist to be on the footpath on that stretch of road and that is because of the level of traffic and the level of trucks. A lot of trucks on that road because they're going to Tivoli Dock so you and that is, that's the only example I can, I can give off the top of my head they're safer in my regard to be on the footpath there uh, than on the actual North Ring. Uh, so it does depend on where. So overall, there's no fixed charge. It is an offence, but again, it goes down to discretion and what the Garda at the time seems that you could be cycling without reasonable consideration for others. That's the exact uh, wording on that one. Thank you, Michael, for your text. And then on the plaza, Derry is in Mallow. He says the traffic is just getting worse, extremely bad in Mallow Town. And he's asking if the Green Party wants us to go cycling and indeed walking, then they need to build that relief road that Tony mentioned for Mallow to take all the heavy traffic away from the town of Mallow. Then uh, people will be able to walk around a lot freer. And uh, somebody else here is saying uh, the answer to Mallow and every other place is to get rid of the planners because of this person on WhatsApp feed. They are clueless. The new Browery Gap in McCroom is a mile high in the air, which this person feels is no sense at all. Uh, but if a resident in the town applied for planning to build a house up that high, it would be refused, uh, says a person on WhatsApp who blames the planners for all the various decisions that have been made over the last while with changes to town centres and towns across Cork. And we spoke with Catherine earlier. She was highlighting the lack of changing place facilities in Cork and around Ireland for her adults. Uh, he is 14 and obviously if he is going to use the toilet uh, she for him would need proper changing facilities where there is a hoist and a a bed or a bench uh, that he can be changed and for Catherine 
and indeed her son, there's a lot of dignity there as well because it means he has to sit uh, in his pad, which will be wet for a journey from Cork to Bantry because of the lack of these facilities. She was explaining this earlier on in the programme and Ruth, who's a very frustrated mother, has texted in to say I was listening to Catherine on those bad facilities uh, for a special needs adults for toilets. They are a disgrace in this day and age across this country, says Ruth. Uh, Ruth has a son of 24 years who is wheelchair bound and it's a nightmare to get him into a toilet. There is no room in them along with the bins etc in the way and then my son needs his pad changed four to five times a day and it's totally impossible to change him. No bench to put him on so if you have to leave him wet it's just totally unfair on him or indeed to any person with a disability. I'm harping on for years about this, shopping centres have tried to facilitate, but the bench they have put in over the years was too high and then no hoist available. So it's just not on. These people are being discriminated and it is not fair, says Ruth, a frustrated mother on text to 0862 103 103. And yes, Ruth, I think everybody would agree with you on that. Uh, you, they are discriminating, but also it's very unfair for anybody. Uh, to find themselves in that situation and indeed the fact that if you're doing a long journey that you know uh, that's what you are facing Uh, and I'm not too sure how other countries do it across Europe but that is the way in Ireland very few of those uh, proper changing facilities which is not fair thank you for your uh, text Ruth and Margaret then has been on and she's looking for some help because she is looking for small adults pull up incontinence nappy pads if possible because she says the reason she's looking for these is it is very hard recently to get them through the HSE. She does get onto them she asks but she can be waiting or then not receive them. So if anybody can help out Margaret we have her number uh, get in contact with us and we will uh, pass on if you can help your details uh, for Margaret on that one. And earlier we were mentioning about RTE following on in a conversation we had yesterday on the bosses of that organisation appearing before the Rockless Media Committee and Michael O'Leary was walking into his Ryanair AGM yesterday. He was asked by Sky about what he thought. He basically set out straight they're overstaffed and if some programmes they have were missing he would not lose sleep over them. Uh, but he does feel their news and investigative and current affairs programmes are done very, very well. On this, a texter says, Hi JP, yes, I totally agree with Michael O'Leary. The current affairs and indeed the investigation programmes are excellent on RTE and they should be retained. But uh, the fact of and the likes of Fair City, Fitness Family and the Rose of Tralee, they need to be abolished. Totally out of date in today's world, uh, says this person on a text. And while we were discussing there the issue of the plaza in Mallow and the issue of footpaths being widened in other towns uh, following on from that conversation and the fact that it is hampering some people feel business in those areas. Well, uh, Anthony is on a staycation and he was tuned to that and heard that conversation and he says in a bit of positivity about all of this, he is in Canturk at the moment and he said it is so beautiful Canturk town is for someone on staycation. The ducks 
are out in the rain. He went to visit Cantor Castle. He said it's beautiful. And he also just took a walk through the beautiful park in Cantor, which he says uh, the bees were out and the butterflies were out. He just feels the, the cafes and the various shops are all done and decorated nicely. So on a, a positive for a Friday, he says, uh, for a staycation, Cantor, well done. Such a beautiful town. So there you go. Take a bow to all there in Cantor. And I know the Tuddy Towns Group there do a lot of work in Cantor. So well done to all involved. The lines are open 0818103103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And shortly, we'll be speaking with Charlie Weston, the personal finance editor with the Irish Independent. As again, if you're a mortgage holder, you'll be very aware uh, that the ECB yesterday announced another rate hike. What this means for mortgage holders and indeed for all of us. And plus, you will be worried the fact that in Germany now, uh, which is one of the biggest countries in the EU, there are fears that they are going into recession. That is on the way. But before all of that, very pressing matters, very important matters. Let's talk about tea, because a new tea bag claims to give you the perfect cup of tea in 60 seconds. This is research uh, carried out by PG Tips. They found the majority of people aren't leaving their tea to brew for the recommended three to four minutes. It seems that 85% of us leave the bag in for less than a minute, with 45% of us taking it out in under 30 seconds. So we headed out and asked these people what their preferred brewing time is. I have no idea. I'm, I'm a weak tea person, so um, a minute. I would be less than a minute. I'm definitely a quick dunk and then out. So yeah, 20 seconds. I probably leave it in like maybe one or two minutes because I'm never i never patient enough to leave it in for like longer. And I hate it when you take the tea somewhere and you don't have anywhere to put the tea bag. So I never leave it in like longer than two minutes or like a minute and a half or something. It depends on what type of tea. Like if it's just like plain tea, probably not that long, like 30 seconds. But then if it's like green tea or something like that, I'll leave it in for a good while. So I leave it like, you know, proper like melt in and like marinate in the water. I've never timed it, so I have no idea. Yeah, me neither. But no, I would never leave it in. So, how long do you leave your tea bag in your cup of boiling water to make a nice cup of tea? How do you like your tea? Do you like a splash of milk? Do you like a lot of milk? Or do you leave the tea bag in all the time? Let us know after that survey and those people how you like your tea. For a Friday, call us 0818-103-103. Text or indeed WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. Palgo Beauty Centre in Ballyfeehan, they require full and indeed part-time staff with a minimum of two years experience. You can send your CV to Elner Kavna at thalgobeautycentre.com. Barry Brothers Builders Providers in Skibbereen, they have a vacancy for a full-time person with some experience in a customer-facing role and indeed the construction sector. You can send your CV to barrybrothers at gmail.com or call 028-21610. And O'Flynn Motors in Mallow are looking for someone who is motivated and enthusiastic to join their sales team. You can contact them on 022 20808 or email ellen at oflynnmotors.ie You'll find these job opportunities and more online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash job. Court today on C103.
Gardaí and Bandon have been in touch. There's been a collision on the road from Bandon to Dunmanway. So from Baxter's Bridge to Banleen, that road is closed until further notice. So take care if that's your route uh, closed from Baxter's Bridge to Banleen due to a collision this morning. Now, the European Central Bank raised interest rates for the 10th meeting in a row yesterday to counter inflation. Charlie Weston is a personal finance editor with the Irish Independent and joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Charlie. Good morning, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. This was expected and in layman's terms, I suppose, will mainly affect mortgage holders, uh, first of all, for those on tracker rates, but also we have a number of people this morning who are quite worried because a number of our listeners are on fixed mortgage rates but are coming off those soon, so they'll be met with these increases. They will, unfortunately. Um, this is just unprecedented and stuff. It's, it almost seems like it's bonkers. You keep pushing up the rates that are un, un, unrelentingly 10 increases in European central bank rates to try and stem inflation, um, you know, and a lot of people thought they might have been smart and they might have paused this month to to see if the nine rate rises before now would have worked um, because these things by nature take a while to work, but um, they didn't. They pressed ahead with a 10th increase in interest rates. And you're right, tracker customers are directly affected by this. Uh, for every hundred thousand euros borrowed, it's an extra thirteen, uh, twelve to thirteen euros a month uh, for for each time there's a quarter percent increase. Um, people coming off fixed rates, and there's about seventy thousand of those coming off fixed rates at the end of this year. They're probably on nice juicy rates. Some of them could be down as low as two and a half, three percent. They won't cut. The, they won't get those rates now. I mean, the average rate in the market is about four percent. But if you qualify for green rates, you'll probably get a lower rate. Uh, do speak to your 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 lender or your bank at the moment, and even if you're not just out of the fixed rate yet, if you're still a few months to go, see if if you can't lock into another fixed rate at the moment, because there'll probably be more increases announced by the banks. They'll pass on these ECB rate increases. So, yeah, and the people worst affected of all though are the ones whose mortgages were sold to butcher butcher funds. Some of them are some of those are paying rates as high as nine ten percent. They're having these ECB rates passed on to them and they're on variable rates they can't fix. They can't move because they're in arrears. They're not being offered fixed rates. So they're not called mortgage prisoners for nothing. They're absolutely trapped and they're at the mercy of these vulture funds which are sucking them dry, unfortunately. Yeah, and the other people that were struggling as it was and now they'll struggle more because they had the higher rates you could see in the market and these new rates will affect them as well. And while we keep hearing, Charlie, the word they're increasing the rates to counter inflation, a lot of our listeners and even a lot of us in general get confused at this. I mean, by increasing rates continuously like this, how does this then manage the inflation? Yeah, well, I suppose the theory is and the way it used to work in the past is if you increase borrowing rates, you make it more expensive to borrow. People stop borrowing and saving rates should go up. You know, none of that's happening smoothly at the moment. The idea is that you take demand out of the economy. So you slow it down. So people buy less. So people uh, or businesses that are selling stuff have to cut prices to get people to buy. Well, we're not seeing that. We're certainly not seeing it in Ireland uh, because the, the, the problem with inflation, it's coming from energy prices. It's oil prices going through the roof. It's gas, wholesale gas prices being elevated because of, you know, Russia used to supply so much of our, our gas. And, uh, you know, there's all sorts of issues with, with the wholesale gas market. You had strikes in Australia. That affected the gas market. Uh, and, and, you know, and you have, you have just cost of living issues, which are just feeding through 
and telling people or trying to encourage people to spend less just isn't working at the moment because yeah. they're just spending what they what they have just to, just to feed themselves and it's just costing them more. So the theory isn't working at the moment uh, and I, I personally think the ECB have it wrong. You know, beating people up until morale improves, you know, the punishment beating continues until morale improves is what they're at here. And uh, you, you know, they've got it wrong in the past so many times and, and, and as recently as the start of the uh, during COVID, there was the supply chain issues, and that was sending prices through the roof. The European Central Bank told us all, "Oh no, that's transitory; it won't last. It'll be gone soon." Well, it hasn't. We, we've had uh, inflation now for a number of uh, of years, and it's it's just not coming down sufficiently. And constantly pushing up interest rates doesn't seem to be working. Uh, other than it's punishing borrowers, borrowers, unfortunately. And it's having a knock-on effect to the economy because people are obviously going to have to save more to pay back their mortgage, but also rents are going up because landlords who are renting out a house then are paying more back in their mortgage. So for those who are spending everyday items or those who are simply doing the grocery shop, they're cutting back. So it has an overall effect on everything uh, going forward because then some businesses who may have loans out as well then are, are seeing rates change on their side. So it, it isn't really doing much to hamper inflation. If anything, everything seems to be going up. Yeah, we're in a vicious circle here and I, I thought it was a very foolish move and, and other economists agree beyond that like Austin News, the independent economists uh, just think this is bunker stuff. Like in the past, the ECB has got it so wrong. They've overdone it in the past. Trichet famously after the global financial collapse, he started shoving up interest rates and they had to pull back on that. Uh, as I say, recently the European Central Bank was very slow pushing up rates initially. Now it's just gone into overdrive. It's crazy stuff. Ten increase it just seems like madness. If, if it wasn't seen to be um, working up to now, why just keep pushing up rates continuously? Let it sit for a while and see what the impact is would seem to me a, a more sensible approach. The other issue is more people are just going to go into arrears here. There's arrears figures out. Uh, you know, they're dated uh, and the banks are doing their best to make sure people are not going into arrears, but they're starting to creep up again. And, 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 you know, you talk to persons, obviously, practitioners, you talk to the likes of David Hall of the Irish Mortgage Holders Organization, they'll all tell you that they're being flooded out the door with people coming to them uh, saying that they're, you know, they're in trouble with their mortgage, they're struggling to pay, they've used up all their savings. So, you know, it, it's almost as if you're being central bank, we're in a mess and these guys have made it worse. They're, they're just piling more measures on top of other measures that are just creating a crisis. And there's a big risk now that there'll be a recession in, in, in Europe, in the Eurozone. So, you know, they may get inflation down, but at what cost? People losing homes and jobs? Is that a good way to do it? It just seems like bunker stuff, really. Yeah, and unfortunately that's what will happen because those rates going up so high is going to push people over the edge. And as you mentioned about people who have a mortgage at the moment, uh, something you have written today in your piece in the Irish Independent, Charlie, which you know I, I wasn't aware of, but it makes sense. The higher interest rates now for those, and I know many people uh, and many of my friends even are going about trying to get a mortgage at the moment. But no matter how much money they have saved now, you could see it tougher for them to go and get a mortgage because things are changing in that respect. These rates will change that as well. Yeah, they'll have to demonstrate that they have a, you know, they can save more, that they can afford a higher mortgage. So they might have qualified for a mortgage two or three months ago, but they won't now. And what do you do? I mean, if you're just earning the same as you are, and even if you've got a small pay rise, it won't cover you. So... They're going to have they, people are need, needing to demonstrate that they can cope with higher levels of debt and that they have higher levels of savings or deposits when they take out a mortgage. So it is excluding more people from buying a home, and then they're then at the mercy of the rental market or, or living with parents. So 
you know, it, I don't think it, it's properly appreciated in government or certainly not in the European Central Bank just what a mess has been created here. Uh, this is just not going to end well, unfortunately. And you just touched on it there regarding a recession that could be happening in the Eurozone. I mean, the policymakers uh, have been pulled in opposing directions, I suppose, because of the high price growth. Uh, and now because they as well are looking at these recession fears. And while Ireland seems to be in a good place, Charlie, now, I mean, you hear our ministers coming out and they seem to be happy with how Ireland itself is doing. Should we be worried here, though, what is happening in the rest of Europe, in particular the German economy, who have seen to be, uh, I suppose, seen, first of all, as the main country in the EU bloc, but also it looks like that they could be heading for a recession. No, I think, it, I think the official word is that Germany is in recession and it has been called the sixth man of Europe because of its, its economy is just not doing well. It's very heavily dependent, it was heavily dependent on Russian, cheap Russian gas. So it's had to move away from that. It has failed to invest in public infrastructure in the last couple of years. And so it's, that, that's beginning to hit it now big time. And, you know, Germany's slowdown and France as well is one of the main reasons that the European Central Bank said, to you, said yesterday that they're lowering their growth forecast. They expect growth of just 0.7% uh, this year and uh, maybe 1% next year. So, you know, when the German economy uh, slows down, it's not good for us. When the British economy slows down, it's not good for us because we're a small exporting nation. So, yeah, yes, you said, should we be worried? Yes, we should be worried. So none of this is good news. So, you know, you would hope that wiser heads uh, would take control of the situation in the European Central Bank and, and that they are finished raising rates now and that they will start cutting them early next year and that inflation will ease back and we won't go into a recession. But there's no guarantee that we won't, unfortunately. So both France and Germany, more than likely, could drag us down, you feel? It could do, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's hard to tell. I mean, I'm not an economist. I'm just a yeah. finance guy. I don't know about economies in Europe, but... Uh, you know, the, all the indicators are that the European economy is slowing down, whether it's the purchasing manager index, you know, which is a key indicator of the health of an economy, whether it's, um, you know, o- 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 other economic indicators. They're, they're all showing signs of a slowdown. And, you know, the, the, the euro is weak as well, which means that we're paying more, particularly for oil, which is oil prices are very high, which is not helping anybody uh, across Europe. And, and that's down to the Saudis restricting supply. And when when the when the euro is weak, it means that we we're already paying more for oil. On top of the fact that uh, supply has been restricted, so none of this is good. I'm afraid. Well, some good news that you have written about this morning and that we are hearing uh, during the week from different electricity suppliers. Flowgas now are the next to start reducing their both electricity and gas prices. So there is some reductions in the energy market, thankfully. Yeah, long last, long overdue because wholesale gas prices have come down from their highs. They're still very high, but they've come back. So at last, some of this has been passed on to consumers. We're seeing Flowgas, the latest one, the sixth energy provider in this market, to cut its prices. They're cutting their rates, their unit rates and their standing charge by roughly 30%. Now, it has to be said that Flowgas were not the cheapest in the market beforehand. They tend to be expensive, but 30% is a a healthy uh, cut. Uh, we've seen others cut between 10 and, and 20%. So, you know, we're waiting now for Borgash, the other big player, to see what they will do. Uh, they need to come in now with a big cut. And the other good news is that the government has promised more energy credits in the budget, which we will need because uh, electricity and gas are still expensive. Home heating oil has gone up by the day. I noticed it's up to uh, today. It's €1,170 for uh, 1,000 litres. So... Um, the energy credits will be very welcome if they come in the budget. 
Yeah, indeed they will be uh, for the moment. Charlie, thank you for taking time out to talk to us this morning. We'll chat to you again soon. Thanks. Take care. That is Charlie Weston there, who is a personal finance editor with the Irish Independent. Your views are welcome. Uh, so a mixed bag there while the energy prices are coming down and the energy credits will be in the budget still. Uh, looking at Europe, uh, could the likes of France and Germany, who are going uh, through a bad time, uh, drag Ireland down with them? Uh, lines open 0818 103 103. You can text or indeed WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. And we'll be hearing from our Ours to Protect series very shortly on the programme. But as we were discussing there with Charlie West and the... What is happening, I suppose, regarding the cost of living, mortgage rates now to go up, even though the energy suppliers are reducing their prices? John Infermoy, after listening to that, uh, says he finds it very hard as he is living off €220 per week. Now, John lives alone in a one-bedroom apartment and his rent has recently been increased from €30 per week to €39 per week. And he says after paying this, along with electricity and gas and grocery shopping, he is left with very little money each week and is really struggling to make ends meet. The reality of what some people and what most people I suppose are living out there uh, but John's own story shows how hard it is at the moment uh, to pay for rent and to pay for your grocery shopping and energy bills on a very low budget. Uh, That's John Infermoy. And then when we were discussing the plaza in Mallow, what should be done and will they remove a section of it uh, to introduce what was there already, a second traffic lane to free up the traffic. And then that got people talking about other towns where the footpaths were widened, that that obviously again had an impact on traffic. Well, Tom is in Rathcormark. He says uh, the council or whoever did this, the roadworks anyhow, uh, that were completed in Formoy, they widened uh, the road near the school in Rathcormark, but there was in a situation where you have traffic um, that is parking in the area or maybe people maybe parking and stopping and going to do their business in Rathcormick and going away again. Anyhow, he feels that they need to put a double yellow line there because even though they did a good job with widening the road around the school, which was needed in Rathcormick, now people, would you say, Tom, abusing the road maybe and just leaving their cars there and double parking and then heading off again. So he's calling for yellow lines on that stretch of road. 0818 103 103. You can text or indeed WhatsApp to 0862 and Gardaí and Bandon still reminding motorists that the road from Bandon to Dunmanway from Baxter's Bridge to Banlean uh, that road is closed due to a collision it remains closed uh, until uh, they come back to us and, and will let us know what's happening for the moment for the next hour or so anyhow that road remains closed so take care if you're on that road Baxter's Bridge to Banlean it's closed at the moment. On the way, we're going to hear from Patrick Kilty, who takes to the Late Late Show tonight. A press conference was held yesterday in Dublin. Our man Crossy was there. We'll hear from him shortly. And also on tea bags and people uh, letting us know their preferred brewing time. This is because of a new uh, claim that has come out from PG Tips. They did a survey of the majority of people who say if you leave your tea bag in for about 60 seconds, you get the perfect cup of tea. On that, Karen is saying... She usually leaves her tea bag in for about 30 seconds in her cup and she likes just a dash of milk. That's how she likes her tea. While Una leaves the tea bag in 
for the entire mug of tea. It's always in there, puts the tea bag in, throws in the milk, and that's how she likes her cup of tea, leaving the tea bag in. While Catherine, uh, only for a few seconds, she never actually thought about it before, says Catherine. I don't think many of us did until this survey came out. But anyhow, she likes her tea black. So black tea for Catherine. Thank you for all your tea ideas this morning. Now let's go to find out what this week is contained in our Hours to Protect series. Hours to Protect, brought to you by C103, the IBI, and funded by the Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out hourstoprotect.ie for more info. This week on Hours to Protect, we meet the founder of Yall based solid perfume business, Arona Nora Irwin. Combined with her interest in nature and commitment to sustainability and eco-friendly products, a seed of a business was planted and has been growing ever since. Based in Yall, Nora set up Arona in February 2018 and commenced trading online in 2020. The perfumes were first unveiled at Showcase in the RDS in January 2020. Arona's solid perfumes and colognes are made using organic beeswax, natural pure essential oils and absolutes, and are sold in eco-containers. All of Arona's perfumes are alcohol and synthetic free. Nora Irwin explains how the business idea came about. From a very young age, I was very interested in perfume because I was fortunate enough that my mother's first cousin worked for a fragrance house in New York and he used to send us parcels of perfume from New York. As time passed, I became more and more interested in creating my own signature perfume. And in 2017, I finally took the leap by studying an online fragrance course. And I studied natural fragrance. The course involved traveling over and back to London to workshops. Now, the workshops focused on alcohol-based perfume. But while returning from one of these workshops, I discovered the convenience of solid perfume. Having been stopped numerous times by customs, so when I came back, I set my mind to making a salad perfume. That was the start of my journey. We actually went on to do research and what came out on top was people forgo their perfume when travelling hand luggage. But they may, we were surprised by the outcome of the research because people forgo it because of fear of spillage rather than the airport restrictions. There's a growing demand out there among consumers for all natural and organic products. And along with a greater awareness of health and wellness has come an increased concern for the environment. People want to see companies using less plastic, more recyclables and earth-friendly ingredients. We source natural and sustainable ingredients and we use organic where possible. We also use eco-friendly packaging. Our primary packaging is a small aluminium capsule with a ceramic lining. And our secondary packaging is made from recycled paper. In itself, it can be recycled. And our products are light and easy to carry. They're very lightweight, which in turn reduces the carbon footprint. We keep our products plastic-free where economically possible. And we have solid shampoos and conditioners, which are solid, which are plastic-free. Our conditioner has been recently nominated for the European Beauty Awards, which has sustainability focus. Overall, the all-natural beauty industry is seeing some of the greatest growth possible and research predicts that the end is nowhere in sight. Consumers are going to continue to seek out the healthiest and the best all-natural products to accompany their health-conscious lifestyles. They're turning to natural products because they're looking for something that's not only good for their skin but also good for the planet. And one of the key drivers of this is the demand for transparency in the beauty industry. 
Nowadays, consumers want to know exactly what they're putting on their skin and they look for products that are clean with simple ingredient lists. Natural brands have responded to this by formulating their products with plant-based ingredients. Another factor contributing to the growth of natural products is the rise of in social media influencers, promoting a more holistic approach to wellness. The influencers often share their own personal journeys towards using natural products and highlight their benefits. This has helped to create a buzz around the beauty industry and has influenced many consumers to make the switch. And I feel as more and more people become aware of what they put in their skin and its impact on both themselves and the planet, it's likely that this trend will continue to grow. And to learn more about Arona, visit aronanaturalfragrance.com or check the show notes of this episode. And we're stronger when together. Ours to Protect, brought to you by C103, the IBI, and funded by the Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out ourstoprotect.ie for more info. Thanks, Barry. And if you want further details on that series of ours to protect and others, just go along now to c103.ie. Well, it started off with Gay, then we had Pat Kinney, Ryan Turpity, and now we have Patrick Keelty tonight as the Late Late Show returns to our screens at the world's longest running chat show. And despite many's in the America, first of all, uh, starting out shows, which later Late Late Show here in Ireland kind of adopted in a way, it still is the Irish one, is the longest running. And somebody has found a very old advert from the papers, and it basically is a blurb more or less of the launch of the Late Late Show in 1962 which was intended to be nothing more than a summer filler and it basically has RTE announcing three new summer shows one of those is the Late Late it has Gay Byrne pictures with uh, three guests on the night and it was only to run for three to four shows and 60 how many years later it's still uh, on the go and despite what people believe or not it seems to be as popular as ever anyhow when it comes to today's kind of TV ratings but our man Crossy went along yesterday to a press conference where he met Patrick Keelty and he asked him a number of questions ahead of his first show tonight one of them was at the moment as you're aware uh, there's the writers and actors strike in the States and he's asking if he believes that that strike will it affect the Late Late Show well or won't it affect the Late Late Show well, Patrick Keelty told Crossy he feels it won't and gave a taster of what's to come tonight. Uh, I think the brilliant thing about the Late Late Show is that it's never really relied on sort of that huge staple every week. So, you know, for us, I think it's very different. I think that the Late Late Show covers entertainment. It also covers sport. It also covers lifestyle and lots of different things. So, you know, I can see how that would have affected a show like Graham a lot more. Uh, for us, um, you know, we're we're really chuffed with uh, with who we have for for Friday, and um, and the strike kind of hasn't affected that, which is which is pretty good news. 
He also asked Patrick to describe the tone. What will it be like tonight? Um, how would I describe the tone and the pace? That's it, it's interesting to be getting into a production note in, a, in, a, in the press chat. Um, I I think I think the tone is is hopefully going to be a little bit loose. You know, I think um, you know as someone who's done live stand up and enjoys doing live TV. I think the idea of trying to make the thing be too polished. You know, I think it's kind of about having fun if things are fun and things go wrong i think that's kind of hopefully you know the tone of the show um you know pace of the show you know i think there'll be the you know ebbs and flows and hopefully something in there for everybody he was also asked about his family life with Katili and how now is the home life dynamic will be with him commuting from the uk to ireland uh, i think the you know the, the thing with with our lives, it, it's always been that there's always been moving parts. You know, neither of us have had a nine to five job, and so you know, there's always been stuff where you know, Kat's gone and done something, I've gone and done something. So it, it feels weirdly that this show is probably the most routine that we're going to have as as a family. And what's nice is that you know, I still get to do you know a couple of school runs at the start of the week, and you know, coming from County Down, still having a house there. You know, I get to see the other part of the family. You know, and get to be here. So it's um, it's not as much of a of an upheaval as maybe you think. It was um, it was a wee bit trickier whenever you were maybe doing stand up gigs and living in LA. Um, that was harder, I think. And of course, he had to talk about the toy show. Uh, what was look? I mean, th- th- there's two things here. There's the there's the first show, and then there's the toy show. And uh, and at you know, whenever I got this gig, the toy show was the one where you're just like, oh my God, that that's the one um you know the, the first show is the one really that we kind of want to get out of the way and then once we you know get bedded in and stuff like that and very finally as we heard there from the team that mentioned gay Byrne, the first and longest presenter of the late late show he talks about the late gay you know i i, I think growing up on the show you know watching gay do his stuff um i think the brilliant thing that that he used to do was uh, he talked to the audience as much as you know down the camera. Uh, it was it was like coming into the parlor, and I think you know that for me is what this show is. There'll be different things. There'll be eclectic bits and pieces. Uh, the main lesson that that I have learned over the years from the show is you treat everybody the same. You know everybody the same on this show, and uh, that's what it does best, and that's why it stood the, the test of time. There we are, Patrick Kilty speaking to our reporter Crossy yesterday afternoon in Dublin. Whether you like it or not, the Late Late Show returns tonight to RTE1, but I'm sure a lot of people will be interested to see the style of the show uh, after all the recent controversies, but also what Patrick's style will bring to the show later tonight. Between now and one, it's John Paul McNamara with you on Cork Today. Bernie taking your comments on 0818-103-103 and indeed you can text or WhatsApp 086 086- A lot of calls and comments in on energy prices because we were chatting to Charlie Weston earlier from the Irish Independent and he uh, was outlining uh, so many companies in the last two or three weeks that are reducing their energy bills, reducing energy costs for the consumers. Uh, But Phil is in Formoy and she got her electric bill today. And when you hear about the prices going down, 
as we are, uh, she presumed oh, she'd see a decrease. Well, for her bill she received for two months, it's going to cost her for electricity €411.76. The last time she received the bill, it was for €386. So she feels after this, and it was during the summer months, it's not going down. Uh, she's with Electric Ireland, who were the first to come out to say they were reducing prices. Uh, so it was still from the 1st of November. That's the only thing for a lot of these prices. Um, I know Electric Ireland, who you're with, their reduction comes from the 1st of November and others who have followed the majority are from November. So hopefully from November you'll see a difference, but then you'll be using more electricity from November too because... That's winter and the evenings are darker and all of that. Uh, so thank you, Phil, in for my. While Liam, very like Phil, got his bill today and he thought it would be a reduction, but his bill is 70 euros more expensive. He said for a lot of the summer, we weren't even home. We were out most days, either doing staycations or busy with the children. So we weren't inside all day. So they would have thought that they would have received a reduction because it was the summer. But no, electricity bill gone up as well. And again, those rates that are reducing, they're not reducing until November. So you won't see a change until November. But again, you know, when November comes, we're in a different landscape because... Uh, we're in winter, so it's a, a different a different time where you'll be using more electricity. Anyhow, thank you for your calls on energy prices. You can always email us, corktoday at c103.ie. And a reminder from Gardaí and Bandon, the Bandon to Demanway Road remains closed from Baxter's Bridge to Banaline due to that earlier accident. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See Cork Coco. Red Hurley will take to the stage this evening at 8 o'clock at St George's Arts and Heritage Centre in Mitchellstown. Tickets are available on Eventbrite or indeed at local outlets in Mitchellstown, including Reedy's Kitchen Market, The Favourite and indeed Roaches Bar. The Pat Lane Memorial that will take place in Carriganima, that's going ahead tomorrow evening, raising funds for cancer research and Bengawa Harvest Festival. Tractor and Car Run, that's on this Sunday at 11.30am in Copine, supporting Marymount Hospice and Cancer Treatment at CUH and Breakthrough Cancer. And Kilavullen Vintage Tractor Run, uh, that's going on this Sunday as well. They're leaving from Kilavullen Hall at 10.30 and they'll travel through Donorel, Buttevant, Mallow and finishing up at the Top Shop in Kilavullen for 3 o'clock. All proceeds in aid of Marymount University Hospital and Hospice and all vintage and classic tractors are welcome on the day. And the Town Historical and Heritage Group, they will hold a Civil War commemoration and that's on this coming Sunday at 3 o'clock in Town. It will be held at the recently upgraded monument. That site is approximately one mile southeast of the village on the Bandon Road. And Tio Park, it's past Costello, will be entertaining you for the dancing this Sunday at Tio Park. And that runs from 3 to 5.30. And if you want to include your event in the Cork Diary, you can email diary at c103.ie. Cork Today on C103. Stephen Kenny, he will remain in charge of the Republic of Ireland team for the final three games of their Euro 2024 qualifying campaign and the international friendly with New Zealand in November. The FAI confirmed this yesterday. Trevor Welch, our soccer correspondent, joins me this afternoon. Hello, Trevor. Hi JP, good afternoon. And good afternoon to you, thanks for joining us. So Stephen Kenny, to remain until the end of the campaign, is this a correct move not to disrupt the team or what do you make of it? 
Yeah, to be honest, I, I thought he might go and bring the, the new manager in and get him a few games. I thought the RL State maybe um, put John O'Shea and Keith Andrews in charge in the interim until they get the, the man they want. Um, I just, you know, looking at his record, JP came in in about April 2020. Um, you know, his record is played 36, won 10, drew 11 and lost 15. He's only won five competitive matches. And when he came in, you know, um, I think, uh, you know, he promised expansive football, playing out from the back. But to be quite honest, like, we don't have the players to play that kind of style and system. Like, you know, he only has the players for three days. It's been well documented and pointed out that it's hard to do that with an international team, especially when you're playing catch-up. The likes of France and the Netherlands can do that. They've been playing that for years from grassroots football up. And, you know, I do feel sorry for Stephen Kenny in a way that he was unlucky with a lot of injuries, uh, you know, but other nations have a lot of injuries. Well, we just don't have the squad anyway to deal with the big players being out. And, you know, against France, obviously Evan Ferguson, a great white hope, the 18-year-old, was injured. Um, Matt Doherty was out. And we had uh, Seamus Coleman out. Big players out. Big games like that. We can't cope. We don't have the squad. But I just think in general, he's, his record's not normal good enough, uh, JP, but a kind of a win ratio of only 27%. You know, it's it's uh, certainly not good enough. And he's reigning in charge. We'll, we'll come to an end, no doubt, in November. And while you made a point there regarding players, I mean, we have some great players, but some listeners are saying we don't have the best as well. And if you compare it to the likes of the Jack Charlton area, where he did have a lot of players that were playing the top level within the Premier League at the time, Kinney can only work with what he has. So uh, does that play a factor into what hasn't been a very successful time for him? Yeah, it does in a way, I suppose, you know, but, you know, other managers would um, have had, you know, national teams where they wouldn't have been, you know, ranked in the top 30, but were able to compete with teams in the top 10 and get results. Um, I mean, even you look at Brian Kerr's uh, record, JP, he's in the 50s. Uh, I think he lost four. The problem with Brian was that he drew too many, but, you know... um, like you, you just have to like Brian Kerr competed with the, the likes of France and uh, Germany, and you know you look at Martin O'Neill. We beat Germany, we were world champions at the time. So you know we were we were never like the, the best nation in terms of most technical footballers playing in the top divisions around Europe. But we had a spirit, and we were very hard to beat, especially at home. And uh, that's not the case. I mean, you look at Portugal, for example, beating Luxembourg the other night nine nil, and Luxembourg beat us. Uh, we couldn't score against Luxembourg. Portugal could have ran 12 past them. So it just gives you an idea. But there's been question marks as well about, you know, his team selection, uh, team shape, and, you know, sticking with players that he kind of stayed loyal to uh, might go against him as well, you know. But uh, I, I don't think even in interviews afterwards, JP, he doesn't cover himself in glory. Like, he's not convincing. And, um, you know, I think the time the time now is, is up, really, for, for Kenny. Um, I'm not sure he'll make the most of the, the last three internationals. I mean, we're out of uh, that's the third camp. Uh, that's the third major uh, campaign we failed to qualify for now, and uh, that costs money. The FAI don't have uh, finances, as you know, JP. I mean, we don't have a title sponsor. The CEO Jonathan Hill has been there two and a half years. We don't have a title sponsor since three left, and after missing on the last three major campaigns, it's very costly. We have to get to major finals. 
yeah, they need to get a sponsor and a lot of that that comes in from sponsorship pays for a lot of what goes on behind the scenes that we don't see but can progress the team as well I suppose when it comes to Stephen Kinney he was organic in a way uh, Trevor the way that he came from a League of, League of Ireland and the success he had there uh, and with Dundalk that hasn't transferred too much now to the, the bigger field No and it's um, you know I mean we've had League of Ireland managers before on hand yeah. you know going back to the, uh, the late 70s, 80s, and he was very unlucky not to qualify for a campaign. Brian Kerry thought did, did, did well, just probably too many draws cost him in the end, but I think he should have probably had a longer reign. And uh, now Stephen Kenny, so, you know, maybe I, the FAI might move away from League of Ireland managers, I'm not too sure, but um, even though Damien Duff has been skipped as one of the favourites, and he's done a good job at Shelburne, and you know, he, he was well sought after at Celtic as well, and he was with the Irish at camp under Kenny, as you know as well, but he, he pulled away from that. But maybe he'd be there. But it's uh, it's uh, coming out now today, um, JP, just in the last couple of hours, that Steve Bruce has emerged as the 2-1 to favourite. I mean, he came from nowhere. The ex-Manchester United defender has come from nowhere to be the favourite. There's money being lumped in all the bookies on him. So someone knows something somewhere. And uh, don't be surprised if Steve Bruce is the man to replace the Steve Kenny. His son, um, Alex, actually played for Ireland. And uh, I know Bruce showed interest in uh, the Republic of Ireland managerial job in the past. So it looks like there's some information breaking that uh, Steve Bruce could be the man to replace Stephen Kenny. He's gone into two to one and the money uh, is still being lumped on him. So I say he won't get a bit, uh, odds on him very soon. So that's very interesting developments today, you know. Yeah, very interesting. Do you think he'd have what it takes to turn things around for Irish soccer? Um, Steve Bruce, yeah. Uh, We'll try and get Trevor back on the line if we can there. Uh, and if we can get him back, a lot, and this is a, a valid point. This is from Margaret when we're talking about the uh, Irish soccer uh, regarding men's. Margaret is saying, what about Vera Powell? Didn't she do a great job for women's soccer? And while they're keeping Stephen Kinney on, why are they not then leaving Vera Pau on. How come that we got to World Cup final, not a final, we got to the World Cup anyhow, uh, Margaret, but we didn't get to a final, but we got to a World Cup and she's asking how come we got to a World Cup uh, that Vera was let go, uh, but then Stephen Kinney is still remaining until the end of this November, while indeed, as Trevor has outlined, he hasn't performed for the best. Uh, and that is the question we'll try and put to Trevor before we uh, wrap up on this one. Thank you, Margaret, for your text to 0862103. 103 and Trevor is back with us. Uh, first of all, Trevor, before uh, we, we got cut off there, we were just talking about Steve uh, Bruce. Um, you were explaining you, you think he has it, that he could change around uh, the fortunes for Ireland. Yeah, he's a lot of um, lot of managerial experience. Obviously, he managed the Premier League, played in the Premier League, Tim Woodstock, learned under Alex Ferguson, and people like that, you know. So that's what he brings, a wealth of experience. And... Um, you know, I think with international management, we suit him at this time in his career as well. The problem is, like, you only get the players for a few days and, um, you know, you, you can't buy in players. Obviously, you have to work with what you have. But I think there's a lot of talent in this uh, Irish team. I mean, you saw Chidozio Benny. I thought he was brilliant against France and Holland. Um, Adam Ida thought did well. Um, from a Cork point, he was great to see. You know, there's five Cork people in the squad. Four started against France, uh, which is very good. Just up-and-coming talent. Uh, coming through as well, you know, that Bruce would have at his disposal. Um, you know, so the likes of Ferguson, he came on the other night. Um, like, there's, 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 there's good talent coming through. And I think, um, you know, Kenny has, give, has been given more than enough time for three years. 
and uh, it's, it's time for him to move on and bring in a new manager, fresh, fresh ideas. And uh, I think, you know, the players would have a lot of respect as well for Steve Brooks, who, who did play at the highest level, but probably one of the biggest clubs in the world, obviously, Manchester United, you know? Yeah, indeed. And before I let you go, Trevor, two things. First of all, Margaret was on, and as you were talking about Stephen Kinnan, he's been left there for another number of months. She's asking Vera Pau, who got Ireland to a World Cup while she was let go, why then are they keeping on Stephen Kinney? The women were in a better position. Uh, is that down to the outside factors that was coming out regarding Vera? Some were questioning her strength and conditioning routines and, and then the news coming out from the States as well. Yeah, that's that's definitely uh, played a part in it, JP. Other stuff coming out is that she didn't get the backing then from the players. There's only a few players backed her. So, you know, you need to win the dressing room. And it looked like she lost the dressing room. Um, a lot of players went against her in the end. So player power played its part there as well. And maybe the style of play that the players didn't like, um, you know, that a bit, a, bit, a bit negative, apparently. That's what you're hearing. Um, her approach to matches... Should have played more open, expansive football, but it's easy to say that when you're playing against uh, all the bigger nations as well. You mentioned Jack Charlton earlier; he was very conservative in his approach, even though he's great players. You know, so you know, very power and fairness got us to a World Cup finals, first time in in our history for for women's football, and has got a lot of uh, young girls in in this country interested in the game. You know, so she must take a lot of credit, but um, obviously the powers that be made a decision that it was time to replace her and uh, freshen things up. But I think Claire Power played a lot, a big part in that should be. Yeah, well, we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, with Bruce now in the line being mentioned, so what the future is for Stephen Kinney and also what the future is, yeah. who will replace Claire Power. Well, JP, yeah. Before I go, uh, like, Roy Keane's name has come up um, <laughs> as well a few times. But um, like what they were saying, that if Roy Keane took over, that... You know, it would strengthen the uh, FAI coffers because um, straight away, it, apparently, it'd be worth over eight million. With more season ticket holders, more copper box being sold, uh, full grounds, uh, sponsor might tight entice a sponsor in. That's what the FAI need badly—a title sponsor when we're not getting major finals, especially. You know, and Roy might give us that. So, you know, watch that space as well. And just a very quick one before I leave: yep. for people interested, go to the game tonight. Um, in Turner's Cross, JP, the FAI Cup quarterfinal. Mm-hmm. There's a pitch inspection in a few minutes. Uh, in fact, it just started there at 12.30 and there might be a further inspection in the afternoon, but it doesn't look good that that game is going to go ahead tonight. And we'll have more confirmation on that across our afternoon bulletins. And from soccer to rugby, very finally, we have to uh, wish the Irish uh, g- good luck over the weekend as they face Tonga. There was speculation that um, the captain Sexton would not be, uh, but he is now. Johnny Sexton will start for Ireland and uh, so far, anyhow, it looks like things are going well for Ireland. Whether the pressure or not of being going in as a, a number one in the world, we'll get to them or not. But we'll have to wait and see what happens, Trevor. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, they look great in their opening match. Uh, they just blew Romania away, 82 points in a World Cup game. And they've gone very strong, obviously, which you'd expect against South Africa uh, tomorrow evening. It's number one, Ireland, number two in the world, South Africa. That's going to be a real humdinger. Uh, but, uh, you know, there were, I, I heard some of the experts talking, I know rugby expert, but I heard some of the experts saying that, you know, maybe Ireland should change things around, freshen up, keep it fresh. But then there's the, the, the other side of the coin is that Ireland have to build momentum in this World Cup and you need your best players to do that. But uh, no surprise, they're going full strength against Africa uh, tomorrow. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, that's the big acid test now for Ireland, number one against number two in the world. And we get a good idea of... Uh, of Ireland are serious about winning this World Cup or not but uh, on the the outset I can see why Ireland are favourites but uh, it's going to be a great game tomorrow
Yeah, it is. Uh, that's on tomorrow from 8. Uh, Trevor, as always, uh, thanks for joining us. And we will chat to you, of course, and tomorrow. Uh, you're on with Premier League Live on C103.ie for the moment. Uh, thanks for joining us, uh, Trevor Welch, uh, who is our soccer correspondent. And as I said, he is back tomorrow uh, from midday on Premier League Live at C103.ie, powered by TalkSport. He'll bring you live coverage of Wolves taking on Liverpool at 12.30, Manchester United taking on Brighton at 3, and Newcastle United taking on Brentford at 5.30. The Premier League Live online with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. You can listen tomorrow on the C103 app or go to c103.ie. We were speaking earlier about tea, how you like your tea bag, how you like your tea. Do you leave the tea bag in for over 30 to 60 seconds or do you like a lot of milk or not so much milk? Well, uh, Catherine, was telling us she likes black tea. A lot of people have texted him to say they like black tea. And many people like Una leave the tea bag in all the time. And they have a dash of milk and the tea bag remains in the cup of Bridget in Donorail. Well, she says, I like my tea black with lemon and honey. Uh, there we are, Bridget in Donorail. Thank you for your text across the morning regarding how you like your cup of tea. That all came from a survey that was carried out over the last few days. And as the road from Cork or from Bandon to Demanway remains closed from Baxter's Bridge to Bandon, Somebody's asking what is happening with the buses from Cork to Dunmanway with that accident and the road closure. Uh, we are going to get in contact with Bus Aaron at the moment. They haven't uh, said anything and they haven't come back to us. Uh, so we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, but that that road is closed until further notice from Baxter's Bridge on to Banaline. Um, Bernie is saying we're getting news in on that now. So when that goes into us, uh, we'll bring you that next. But on the way also next, we're going to the movies with Mark. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. Cork today on C103. And on that accident between Bandon and Dunmanway, the road remains closed from Baxter's Bridge to Banaline. And many people asking, what is the situation with buses? Well, Bernie has been just speaking with Bus Aaron. And the latest on this is due to that incident near Banaline, all Route 236 services from Cork to Bantry and Castletown Bear and return. They will not operate between Bandon and Banaline until at least 6pm this evening. So that's the latest we have there from Bus Air and we'll keep you up to date on the when that road is due to reopen uh, later during the afternoon on C103 News Bulletins but again Bandon Gardaí advising people because people are still driving uh, on that road and then being turned away Baxter's Bridge to Banaline that remains closed uh, for this afternoon Let's go to the movies and Mark Malone uh, joins us as usual on a Friday Hello Mark Hi Tim Paul now, you went along to see two movies, and one of them are from Prime. This one strays. When I saw the picture first, I was thinking, oh, this is a nice kind of family <laughs> movie, nice kids movie. And then I watched the trailer, which I'm going to play, and it's a lot different. So we have the trailer first. Here we go. This is Will Ferrell. I have an owner. Doug and I are just playing a game. Sayonara. This is Jamie Foxx. He left you. You were strayed. You can do anything you want. See this couch. Best sex of my life. Wow, really? I'll see you later, baby. It was nice to meet you. I'm starving. What are those? How many of these should we mm-hmm. eat? All of them? Yeah. You look different. Is it my human hands? Hold up. Yeah, uh, Strays is the movie. Will Ferrell's voice you would have heard there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so while I thought it was a nice kids movie, nice family movie, it's um, not really 
No, and that's actually not the trailer. That's a tiny little snippet of the trailer because that's the only <laughs> part that I could play on the radio at this time of the afternoon, I'm afraid. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and if you look at the poster, the poster is great. You know, you've got this kind of cute little doggy uh, having, a, you know, with a, with a big smile on his face. And, um, and yeah, it's not so much a hairy dog story, but a sweary dog story, if you see what I did there. <laughs> I do, indeed. Uh, do you remember the film Sausage Party, which was released a couple of years ago? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which was kind of an animated cartoon. And it was an adult animated cartoon. Mm. And, of course, people didn't realise it because it looked as though, oh, this will be good. We'll bring along the kids to that. And boy, did they regret it because, of course, the kids were terrified and disgusted and, uh, you know, because it wasn't made for them. And neither, it should be pointed out, is this because this has a 16 cert. This is for adults. This is not for kids in any way, shape or form whatsoever because the swearing is really, really quite extraordinary. And, um, and as is practically everything in this film. So bear that in mind that if you go to the cinema and you see the poster, you think, we'll bring the kids along to that, uh, beware it is a 16 search for very, very good reason, I should point out. Uh, this is directed by Josh Greenbaum, who uh, directed Barb and Star Go to Visit Del Mar, which I uh, reviewed a couple of years ago, which I kind of liked, and it's written by uh, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. Now, they're responsible for the Lego movies, so we're talking about some kind of big-name people here. Uh, but years back, back in the 60s, I think, Disney made a film called Homeward Bound, which was this beautiful little film, which was a huge success. It, I think it's on Disney Plus somewhere, uh, and it's about these dogs who are basically lost and trying to make their way back home. Now, they didn't speak in that particular film. They had a voiceover. One of the dogs uh, did the voiceover, and voiceover dog actually makes an appearance in this film, uh, which is probably the funniest uh, joke in the whole film. Here, their mouths are animated, and they're real dogs, which is great too, because Hollywood over the last few years has gotten pretty lazy when it comes to animals on screen. They've just kind of thought, look, we're just, we're just CGI, and it's just as easy. Here, they didn't. I think 95% of the time, uh, you're seeing real, real dogs on screen. Uh, I think th- th- there's a, th- one moment where they use a kind of a puppet uh, for good reason because uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a scene where you couldn't use a real dog. And so basically the, the, the hero of our, 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 our film here is little Reggie. And Reggie, uh, voiced, as you said, by uh, Will Ferrell in his kind of um, in his, his elf voice, which is very kind of sweet and lovely. And uh, we all love Reggie because Re- Reggie loves his uh, owner. The problem is, is his owner, played by Will Forte here, doesn't like him at all. He doesn't want to have anything to do with Reggie. In fact, Reggie annoys a great deal because all he wants to do is sit around and laze around and do nothing because he's ne'er do well and take loads of drugs. The thing is, is that the only reason why he has little Reggie is simply because uh, he broke up with his girlfriend. It was his girlfriend's dog. He said, I'm keeping the dog and just to hurt her. Uh, the problem is, as I say, he hates the dog. But the dog adores him. He adores Will Forte. He just thinks he's the greatest thing ever. And he ha- and they play what the, the Reggie considers to be a game. Basically what happens is Will Forte <laughs> puts him in the car with his favourite tennis ball, drives 10 miles away, throws the ball, he gets back in his car and drives back and drives back home, hoping that Reggie will not come home. But every time he does, and Reggie thinks this is the best and greatest thing ever. And even though he's constantly rather abusive to Reggie, Reggie just absolutely simply adores Will Forte until one day Will Forte says look I've had enough and he drives into the next state about 300 miles away drops him out in the middle of nowhere and drives back home. This time, Reggie can't find his way home, and he realises that he's lost. So uh, he teams up with a number of strays, one played by Jamie Foxx, who plays the character of Bug, Isla Fisher plays Maggie, uh, Randall Park plays uh, the character of Hunter, and uh, Joss Gad plays the, 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 the character of Gus. So it's a very, very good... Uh, voiceover um, cast here uh, in this film and they teach Reggie uh, the ways of the stray Um, and from then on the film really really does tend to concentrate on the kind of 
more bodily functions of dogs. Look, have you had a dog at any time? Yeah, we had many dogs when we were younger and exactly. we grew up. And one one dog that we had for years. Yeah, yeah. So they so, can. Well, the thing about dogs, of course, is dogs. We love them. They're part of our family. Dogs love us. Uh, you know, and but as we know, dogs have these kind of instincts that are still within them from the, the wolf like days from way back, and they have habits and uh, rather disgusting habits, as we know. And all of that is here on the screen. Uh, the screen in beautiful Technicolor, I should point out. <laughs> they don't hide anything. <laughs> and not so whatsoever. And uh, so there's a lot of pooping, there's a lot of dogs vomiting, there's a lot of dogs humping, there's all of that. It's on screen, it's there, and it's constant, and it's in your face constantly. Thing, the thing is, little Reggie, by the way, is played by a little um, female dog. So um, <laughs> whenever they had close-ups of Reggie's bits, uh, they had to get a stunt dog in. Uh, oh. uh, there's a bit of information there. I don't know if you really wanted to know that or not. So now. <laughs> yeah, so therefore, that's it. I mean, the thing is, is that um, the thing is, it's quite a frustrating film because amongst all the swearing, there's a lot of heart here because you know, there is a lot of talk about how dogs are treated because even though, you know, we are a nation of dog lovers, we know dogs end up in the streets. We know dogs are strays. And so therefore, there's a lot of talk and a lot of discussion in the film about just how badly uh, dogs can be treated. And so there's some lovely, lovely moments. It's got about a 54% uh, positive rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So there are people out there who think this is really, really good. There are people who think it's absolutely hilarious. I didn't think it was either. I thought it was kind of entertaining at times. I think some of the jokes work. A lot of them fall flat because a lot of them just simply rely on swearing and there's an awful lot of that. And um, there's also an appearance from Dennis Quaid in the film for some reason, which if you ever get around to see the film, um, I won't go into too much detail, but it's a very, very odd um, cameo uh, from him. So look, all in all, look, it is for over 16s. There are people who think it's hilariously funny. I thought it was okay. I smiled at times. I thought, as I say, it's got some heart and so... uh, and a kind of a decent kind of uh, thread running through it. And um, I was never bored. I was entertained by it. But I don't think it's very good, to be brutally honest with you. OK, so out of 10 rating wise. I'll give it a five. Five only. OK, five out of 10 for strays. And then you saw this on Prime. This is Greatest Days. What's this about? Uh, I, I saw the trailer that it seems a different, totally different type of film uh, from strays and a nice kind of feel good, is it? Uh, it is, yeah. But it doesn't, once again, kind of shy away from the reality of uh, some people's lives, actually. Oh. Greatest Days, that's it, it, a reference to the Take That song, Greatest Day. And um, there's a Take That that musical, um, which has, uh, I don't think it's ever made its way here. Maybe it has. I'm not really, really quite sure. And so it's based on that musical. It's what they call a jukebox musical in the same way that uh, Mamma Mia, for example, featured all the songs of ABBA and they then write a story that kind of ties all the songs uh, together. Uh, there was a film called Sunshine on Leith, which was um, a much better film than this, I think, uh, which featured the, the songs from the Proclaimers a couple of years back. And I enjoyed that very, very much indeed. And it's basically a big, big promo, one hour, 43 minutes for Take That songs. Why actually don't appear in the film? Well, that's actually not quite true. There is a slight cameo from them. Uh, but the music here is completely re-recorded by a band called The Boys. So obviously they thought long and hard about that. What are we going to call the, the boy band in this? We call them The Boys. And uh, so they do and perform uh, all the songs uh, in the film. And there are l- a lot of songs in this film. There really are. There's a lot of dance numbers as well. And a lot will depend on whether or not you like that kind of thing. Um, I remember talking to a very famous trumpeter once and uh, he told me he hated musicals. And I said, you're, you're a 
musician? How can you hate musicals? He said, I hate it when they all start singing and dancing out of nowhere. And I find it really, really embarrassing. And there are moments in the film. Now, I brought up, I've been brought up with musicals. I love musicals. But there were occasions, all right, when I, I got it. I thought it was a bit cringy at times because it just simply kind of didn't work. And it, the songs didn't really quite tie into the story. And the problem for me with the film is that the tone is just all over the place. Because at one stage, you've got all these really, really bright and cheerful kind of dance numbers to take that songs. And then what they basically do is they kind of, uh, the, the characters in the film talk about their lives and how difficult their lives is, which, you know, concerns alcoholism and abuse and stuff. And so that can be kind of uh, difficult. Basically, it's about four young girls who go to take that. It's one of the greatest days of their lives when they're young. Uh, they haven't seen each other in 25 years. Um, Ashling B wins on a radio station four tickets to go to see uh, take that, or the boys, sorry, <laughs> in, in Athens. And, uh, and then they reconnect and they find, of course, it's not the same because people change and people grow and people have, you know, different lives. Um, so that, from that point of view, I thought that worked very, very well indeed. There's a lot of flashbacks back to the younger girls. Uh, the younger um, Ashling B here is, is played by Laura McDonnell, who was fabulous in Artemis Fowl. It was a terrible film, but she was terrific in it. And they're both very, very good in it indeed. And um, look, if you're a fan of Take That, I think you would certainly enjoy it. I think it's, it's look, I'm not really its target audience, to, to be honest, but I think a lot of people, a lot of women especially, who kind of grew up with that boy band era of kind of boy zone and Westlife and Take That and remember that and still love those those groups and still love Take That. And I'm an admirer of Take That because I think Gary Ball is a very, very good songwriter, so I enjoy the songs. I think that people who love uh, Take that and uh, loved them when they were in their teens, I think will identify with this film more uh, than possibly I did. But I, I was still entertained by it. Very good. Uh, it's streaming on Prime. What would you rate it out of 10? I'll give it 7. 7 out of 10. That's good. Greatest days. Okay, Mark, thank you for that. And well, we'll chat with you again next week. Mark Malone with our movie review. That's it from Cork Today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced I'm John Paul McNamara. Enjoy your weekend and Patricia Messenger is back on Monday. 